Thanks for tuning in to the special Fashion Month edition of the Glossy Podcast. I'm Jill Manoff, Glossy's Editor-in-Chief, and today we are focusing on Milan Fashion Week with Lauren Amos and Carlos Steele. Lauren is the owner of Wish, which has been a destination sneaker and streetwear retailer in Atlanta for nearly 20 years. And within the last couple of years, she opened Antidote, a store focusing on luxury fashions by the likes of Rick Owens, Jill Sander, and Jacquemus. In addition, Lauren is decidedly a street-style star whose avant-garde fashion month looks are documented in publications, including Vogue, every season. And Carlo is Antidote's buyer and fabulous creative director. So I wanted to ask Lauren and Carlo about their Milan Fashion Week plans, including what shows they're attending and what designers they're wearing. And as they're clearly fashion fans, I'm interested in their approach to balancing business and pleasure during this busy fashion month season. Welcome to you, Lauren. Hi. Hey, Jill. Happy to have you. And hi, Carlo. Thanks for being here. Hi, Jill. This will be fun. Um, <laughs> Lauren, it's been a bit. We, uh, you're a friend of Glossy. So happy. Um, tell me about fashion month. This is a no-brainer. You take part Every season, you make the rounds, yeah? Yes, we do. Um, This season, however, we're going to be focusing primarily on Paris. Um, Sometimes we do travel to Milan. It just kind of depends on what's happening that season. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a whirlwind and it's it's, uh, really busy. I start packing about two weeks ahead of time and um, I line the hallway with like six different suitcases and then we have a, a lot to prepare for, you know, from a business perspective and from a personal perspective. So, um, yeah, it's a big, it's, it's one of the biggest trips of the year for sure. Oh my gosh. Well, tell me when you're mapping out your schedule for this season, what is it about when you're like, I want to go here? Is it about what invitations come in and that's based on your prior business relationships or how would you describe that? I think it's a, it's about both. So I have a, I have a great team that travels. So Carlo travels, I travel, um, an assistant buyer travels, and then sometimes our CFO uh, travels, Kate. And so, so a lot of times we have to divide and conquer um, because there's so much to do. There's the shows, which are very important from a marketing perspective and just a support perspective. There's also um, the buying appointments. So um, you have to, sh- you know, so much is going on and then dinners and social events. So there's so much going on um, at the same time. And, you know, Paris is a big city and it's full of traffic and there's shows from one side of Paris to the other. And so um, we have to get together and kind of formulate a strategy. So sometimes I'll be at one side of Paris and Carlo will be at another and Kate will be at another. So um, it, it really does take more than one person to get everything done. So, you know, I will have personal appointments, uh, but for the most part, it's all surrounded by antidote. It's changed over the years. I used to travel more as a client and... Um, and now I'm traveling um, as you know for the store, so it's it's both, but um, but it's busy. Yeah, I was going to ask prior to Antidote, which is only two years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was it was all <laughs> fun. Um, there was no was there a reason to shop Wish? Does it yeah. really intermingle? Yeah, go ahead. W- Wish does. I mean, I think in the beginning. Uh, 
you know, slowly over time, a lot of brands that Wish carried began to show in Paris. So there was kind of this transition from doing everything within America to um, traveling to Paris. So there was definitely years that I went to shows and to mostly showroom appointments with Wish. But um, a lot of it was, you know, I still had such a, um, a passion for Japanese fashion that I would, you know, travel to see the Colm shows, to see Junia, to see Noir, to see, you know, and just whatever I was kind of buying at the time, Loewe, um, Balenciaga, you know, I would attend those shows, sometimes Dior, you know, I would go to Haute Couture Fashion Week and regular Fashion Week. And now it seems like I would go to men's as well, because that's mainly what uh, Wish would travel to. So it's it's kind of, it's I've been all over the place for sure. What about Tokyo Fashion Week? Is that drawing you in? I've never been. Carlo's been. I have been. Tell me about it. Is it worth, worthy of the trip as you see it, as somebody who frequents these these shows? No. <laughs> in a word, no. <laughs> yeah, um, too emerging. Um, um, yes, and there are also, um, it's very focused on a very specific aesthetic, which tends to be um, very youth and trend-driven. Uh, um, whilst that can be wonderful, that's not quite the direction for Antidote. Um, I will say that um, it's remarkably calm and very organized, <laughs> yeah. and it's a, it's a pleasure to attend, but we don't really need any of the brands that are there. Yes. Well, By the time about- a lot of brands are established, they go to uh, Japanese brands, they go to Paris Fashion Week. Paris is where it's at, is, is what you're saying here. Is it your objective you're looking at the big brands. Um, are, there, are there also emerging designers that you're excited to look at? Or they're, like you said, they're not yet there. Um, I thought the most exciting talent for New York Fashion Week was Grace Ling. Oh, I yeah. thought her work was um, extraordinarily fully formed. Um, I thought uh, there was a level of, of craft and quality from what I could see in the pictures. That was really very much um, about uh, a sensibility that could be on par with anything that you would see in Milan or Paris. Um, I have uh, wonderful um, expectations for her work. She had a brilliant approach of combining a kind of spiky sexuality with uh, a kind of elegance and grace. It was very beautiful to look at. High hopes for grace. That sounds great. Would you say, does Antidote do any um, sort of, does it make sense as a retailer, any sort of activation, maybe a dinner in one of these fashion destinations? You mean in Paris or in New York? Yeah, in Paris, any of the fashion capitals during Fashion Month. Um, you're more there um, for the we buying have- appointments. Go ahead. I mean, like we've we've done um, dinners with friends that are in the industry that we're partnering with for sure. It's been more kind of intimate uh, meetings where we're strategizing future um, installations or future projects. Um, so, and then there's always the big events that happen, and a lot of the times we're there for such a short period of time that we're hunkered down, Carlos hunkered down in a hotel room writing orders until four in the morning and then getting up at 8 a.m. the next day. I mean, it's, it is jam packed. It really is. It's, it's, some people think we're just going and sipping champagne and like, you know, partying, but that's not the case. It's, it's exhausting. 
What percentage of your buying is happening during these weeks, would you say? Uh, about 75% of it. Yeah. Oh, wow. um, with, with, with some of the brands, there is, um, there's a bit of a grace period. So we have some time to really sort of figure out what to buy. But a lot of it is actually done during the week. It's amazing how many say, we need your order in, which, which feels like within the next three days. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of number crunching, a lot of, there's a lot to do before we submit that order. Do you guys talk about wanting, needing exclusives at that time? Is that even an option? Is that top of mind for you? It's very top of mind for us. As a matter of fact, that's one of our uh, key components is bringing brands to Atlanta and having exclusivity with those particular brands. I think that's one of the ways that we are um, distinguishing ourselves by being a place where you can only get specific items from us. How's the see now, buy now? I feel like that's died down a bit. <laughs> when brands do that, does that impact you in a big way? It has. Uh, it has died down. Uh, there are still a few brands that that do it. Um, Jacques Mousse is one of them you mentioned earlier. I don't think that um, it is something that is probably going to continue uh, simply because there are, um, it sort of goes against the established structure of fashion. Um, it would be nice if it was see now, buy now. I, I think that um, it would certainly make more sense. But in terms of rearranging the entire structure with so many players, um, I don't think that that's ever going to really take off. Are you guys sticking with kind of a traditional wholesale model? You're buying these clothes, you're selling these clothes. Correct. That's right. Right on. Let's jump around a little bit. I'm not sure what else we would do with them. Oh, wear them, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) We hear the drop shipping, the the kind of, I don't know, all those interesting business models emerging. Lauren, as somebody um, that's been going to Fashion Week, Fashion Month for years, I mean, would you say that it's changed in a significant way? Is it same as it always was? Um, You know, my experience has definitely changed. When you go as a client, uh, there's this pressure to buy. So I think they have a number on your head. I mean, they, behind my back, they get together and they're like, well, you know, we're going to invite Lauren and we expect her to buy X amount. And so um, I don't know, it can feel, it's nice to go to the show and to kind of be wined and dined, but at the same time, you feel this kind of underlying pressure. And so when you go as a buyer, um, it just feels different. Um, It feels, um, I'm there for a completely different agenda. And so it takes some of the pressure off, honestly. So, um, but no, it feels, um, you know, it's, it, it, it gets, it feels like it gets a little busier all the time and it's, it has the same kind of, um, energy of, you know, running all around, uh, a Paris. And, uh, but I would say that my objectives have changed in, in being there. So, um, it, you know, the experience is completely different going to a show as a client versus going to the show as a buyer. I mean, the shows are mainly for clients and for media. They're not as much for buyers. I mean, the showrooms is where, you know, Carlo does his magic where he's pulling looks and, you know, making a, a, a cohesive buy. So, um, so yeah. So that's in shows. Talk to me about what's changed on the streets with all of these influencers coming up. <laughs> and do you still, you talked about the, the energy in house. Do you still have the energy to do the, you, I feel like 
looks. <laughs> You'll never not have a look with a capital L. Um, but <laughs> tell me about well, the importance of showing up in that way. I mean, I eat, breathe, and sleep clothes. I mean, I you know, for me, it's a form of self-expression. It's honestly a way for me to deal with every emotion that I'm dealing with. So I um, I can't not wear um, the things that I you know that I purchase and collect and covet. Um, it depends on definitely my mood and um, how much I'm willing to be engaged. It you know you get out of a car, it's frantic. There's photographers everywhere. Um, sometimes I'm not in the mood, and you know you can dress down and kind of hide and run in through the through the door and and not get the attention. And sometimes um, I'm you know I'm, I'm down and I'm willing. So the influencers, I mean, they're they're front and center. They're on the front row, and um, you know that's important to those brands. And um, they eat, breathe, and sleep the attention, and good for them. You know, mine. You know, wait. You know, kind of ebbs and flows. It depends on the brand too. How I'm, how passionate I am about the brand, and if I'm going as a client versus going as uh, a buyer. I'm sure getting your. <laughs> archival fashions to the week is a project in itself on top of the busyness. My yeah, God. It's, I mean, you know, sometimes it's one suitcase for one look. Um, I mean, I've definitely tried shipping things there. I've tried everything, you know, some things I just can't take because they're too sculptural or they take up too much space. And so, you know, I can't wear them in, in Paris, but, um, but I find, you know, I find ways. So in the name of fashion, Tell me yeah. about um, Antidote's customer behavior. Are are they veering toward, I mean, has the quiet luxury trend impacted your world? Like, what are they looking for? Uh, and yeah, what's new? This is a great topic, Carlo. I don't know if you want, but this is where, this is so exciting for us. We love our customer base. Go ahead, Carlo. Yeah. What? we are most proud of with Antidote is that our proposal has been accepted wholeheartedly. Absolutely. Um, so Lauren had a vision to propose a store that would be about fashion with a capital F um, and um, proposing design. Lucky for us, we realized that there are a lot of people that are also looking for that. So actually our clients now sort of demand it from us. And so the pressure is a bit high for us to um, keep giving the goods, but we have really, really wonderful designers that we work with. Um, and we have a very enthusiastic clientele. So it's working really, really well. And so we're very happy that we didn't have to stray too far from our in initial vision for Antidote. From here on out, it's it's only up. Yeah, it was, ex it was, ex sorry, go ahead, Jill. No, I was going to say designers are eager to get into the market, correct? Because um, Lauren, when we were talking probably a year or two ago, um, we were talking about the different designers opening stores in Atlanta um, and how, anyway, they, they were realizing the opportunity. How would you describe it? I think um, you go in those stores and they're fantastic, but the buy is um, pretty conservative. Uh, it's limited what you can find in those stores. You know, ex accessories tend to be, you know, um, highly purchased. And But we, you know, the thing that's so exciting for us is that we're interested in buying the runway. Like we're, we're interested in buying the things that 
um, kind of hurt when you're writing the order. You're like, this is so amazing. Oh my God. You know, from, from, you know, personally, Carlo and I love the stuff with five sleeves, you know, and, and so, but you, you have to think, is that going to sell? And, um, there's oftentimes we sit there and we're like, we're going to do it. You know, we're just, especially in the beginning, it was a lot of testing the market, you know, in Atlanta bit. I mean, it was, it's been so exciting. And so I think, you know, and when I, when we travel, you know, originally, I think people believe that Atlanta was something different than it actually is. And so, yes, those brands are noticing that and opening up stores. And then we're pushing the envelope even more by buying, you know, design focused uh, pieces that our clientele is eating up. So I think that's been, when we get something in and we're like, Ooh, you know, like, is this, is this going to sell? Like, this is kind of crazy. And then it's blown out the door before we can even, you know, get it on the, on the um, shelves in, inside Antidote, we are beyond excited. That makes so me I, excited. So I'm not sure what the, you know, what's happening across the nation with, I mean, I hear things, you know, but quiet luxury is not, um, our customers aren't necessarily interested in that. I mean, our customers are all about what I'm interested in, which is self-expression. And so they want something Current, modern, as Carlo always say, says that our customers are modernists. And so they want what's happening today and what's happening tomorrow. And, um, and they're ready to wear it. I mean, and they may cut the sleeves off and, you know, and, you know, you know, make some alterations to it to make it even more, um, to make it push the boundaries even more. Looking at, I'm sure the growth of Antidote has the pace of growth because it's so new is outpacing Wish, but like, what looking at your two businesses, Lauren, what would you say about the state of sneaker streetwear? Like it's hot as ever. It's maybe a different customer, or how would you compare the two worlds? You know, they they kind of intermingle, but I think the the wish customer tends to be a little younger. And that could be simply because of the price point, but also um but I have a lot of wish clientele that comes over to Antidote, you know, you just have to save up a little bit more money. But um, it seems to be a little bit more, sometimes when the Wish customer gets a little older, they come over. Um, and I'm not sure, I have a feeling that literally is price point more so than it is um, anything to do with, you know, what someone's interested in, because oftentimes we're carrying um, designers that are pushing the envelope. So, um, but there's a lot of crossover. There's a lot of talk about the future of Fashion Month and the importance of investing in a runway show, you know, what you do these weeks, would you say like, it can't be done on online? Like, well, those market appointments are going to happen. Do the shows need to happen? Like what, what's your take on that? I don't know. I, you know, Carla may have a different opinion. I think, you know, when we were doing so much from computers, you know, it's so hard to, you want to be able to feel the fabric. So the showroom it, for a buyer is the most important thing, um, you know, to, you don't know what you're going to get in. And so for, for you to be able to kind of put looks together, feel the fabric, see, you know, uh, find out if there are any changes. Sometimes that happens where you see a piece, you love it, but then they make a change. They're going to change the whole fabrication or they're going to make it, you know, they're going to cinch in the waist or whatever. You need to, you need to be able to kind of see those details at, in person. But the show, I don't know. I mean, you know, I still am really fascinated by the show experience. I don't know that that's ever died down for me. I mean, Carlo's probably been to a hundred more shows than I have, but um, there's still that, you know, that energy that, you know, you get the whole vibe of the whole experience of the brand. I mean, I leave 
so pumped up I can barely sleep, you know? And by the time I get to the showroom, I'm like, I just, I'll take it all, you know? And so <laughs> um, that's when it's good, I guess. When it's bad, it could be the opposite. But I, I feel like, I feel like they're both important. Now, whether that makes financial sense for a brand, I don't know. But from a customer experience side, um, it's, it's very rewarding. Yes. Carla, what would you add to that? And also, I want to get your take on a little bit referencing the see now, buy now, but I hear a lot that the luxury consumer, somebody that's spending a lot of money on a look, like they, is it overblown that they see it on the runway and they're so excited, like Lauren, they they need it now? Or is it like sometimes they need to like let it simmer and like see it again and like really consider it and be thoughtful. And when it comes time to purchase it, they're like, you know, it's a sure thing. I, I've been pining for this. It's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. The traditional method, of course, of the, the scene uh, of buying six months after you've seen it, um, there is a certain validity to that. Um, this idea of you seeing something and you have to wait in order to receive it. Um, there's a level of anticipation that goes along with that that can be quite thrilling. See now, buy now. We, I haven't really um, had any interactions with clients who are approaching fashion from that perspective. They would like, they don't have that as a concept, uh, as a way of, of how they shop. They simply go to stores or they go online to see what's available. And that's what they, what they buy. They don't care that the show was six months ago or if it was yesterday. Yes. I like that. Are you the ultra luxury customer is your customer? You're not, or would you say, and they're kind of safe in terms of the state of the economy and, and the spending behavior happening across, across various industries. Like, would you agree or um, that aspiration, have you lost some aspirational consumers who maybe are, are pulling back? Like what's going on? I don't think so. I mean, I, I, that's why I was saying, you know, when I, sometimes when I hear other people talk, I don't know what's going down in Atlanta, but when I get the reports and we're hearing from the floor, what's happening, we're not losing the aspirational shopper. I mean, we, you know, Atlanta is just, you know, a fertile ground for creatives and for the music industry and, uh, and the, the movie industry. So we're so, grateful to have a lot of customers that are coming from uh, both both industries, uh, especially the music industry. So, but then, you know, also just the kids on the street, nobody's jaded in Atlanta or it doesn't seem it. People are just excited. And so I feel like uh, they're still aspirational, even if they have to save their money up for it. They're still wanting that piece that makes them stand out. So um, luckily, knock on wood, um, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not seeing that. Thank goodness. Let's do, um, highs and lows. Um, I would say, well, not lows, highs and highs. Anyway, grace was a highlight for you, Carlo. Um, would you say, um, moving forward, what are you most excited about? Or maybe have the highest hopes for in terms of like, I bet this is going to be a big buy. <laughs> hmm. There are many. Um, we're always very excited about Balenciaga. We think that what they do, uh, is very much about the time. Uh, I think it's one of the few brands that really understands, um, how to synthesize the zeitgeist. 
Uh, so we're always very excited about Balenciaga. We're also excited about Burberry. This will be our second buy with them. Uh, we just got the initial drop yesterday, uh, a few days ago. And so far, uh, we've had some success with it initially. So that's really good. Um, we like uh, the J Japanese brands. We like Comme des Garçons. We like Junior Watanabe for their sheer unbridled creativity. We think that it's quite remarkable that they can continue to produce uh, such wonderfully uh, challenging work uh, season after season, and it never gets old. Of course, we all love the modern sensibility of Rick Owens. We think that he's spectacular. Um, we love his attention to detail, his play with proportions. It's all really good stuff. Mugler, we like a lot too for the uh, architectural references. Uh, one, again, uh, a designer that is uh, very capable of handling um, a kind of uh, sexiness with a kind of rigor, which is um, a bit unusual. Um, we love the irreverence of Jean-Paul Gaultier. We think that his fun and fast and cheeky take on fashion is, is, is a lot of fun. Uh, both Lauren and I are really uh, enthused by the um, silhouette explorations of the White Project. We think what Glenn Martins does is really about design um, and um, we're really happy to have that particular uh, designer with us. Really, I could go on. We, we, we like Raban. We think what, what's happening over there, this sort of revival of a, such a storied house uh, and having Isimiyaki is so wonderful. I mean, it's, yes. it's, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the history is so um, luminous. And uh, again, our being uh, associated with such a, a storied house that for decades have been at the cutting edge of design is just wonderful. And Sakai, lastly, Sakai. Oh, yeah. It's refreshing to hear you guys talk so much and focus on the ready-to-wear and the clothes. Lauren, is, is that the main focus of the store? Um, shoes, handbags, accessories, is that supplementary or how would you describe the importance? I think it, uh, I think they play off one another, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, for me personally, so, you know, I have to battle this. Uh, it's all about the clothes. Uh, but you know, we definitely, you know, bring in jewelry. We bring in, um, you know, folks, we bring in shoes and handbags, all of it, hats. I mean, everything is all about, um, you know, creating an entire look. And that's something that our staff is always harping on us about, you know, about building an entire look. So they don't ever want someone to come in and buy a pair of pants. They want to get them feeling their best in an entire uh, head to toe look. So right on. That makes sense to me. Last question, Lauren, what are you most excited about wearing? What can we expect? If maybe if it's, you don't have to be specific, you don't have to ruin any surprises. I, <laughs> Is I there mean, a vibe? I mean, it's, you know, it's always the Japanese. So that's the thing I get the most excited about packing, if I can get it into a suitcase. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, there's a couple of great comb pieces. And, um, you know, honestly, it, it changes by the day. But I would say, um, I would say, you know, Junior last season, my goodness, it was so strong. Um, Ray Kawakubo was so strong. Kei Niamiya. I mean, I, you know, I, I could go on and on. So, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about going to the, the Balenciaga show. So, um, 
So it'll be a fully packed suitcases. Right on. You can sleep after Fashion Month. Oh my gosh, you guys, thanks for making time for me. This is so fun to chat. Loved it. You guys have fun. We will. Thank you, Jill. Thank you. Thank you, Jill. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.